Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Fox 12 Weather Podcast. This is episode 71. Today is Thursday, September 28th. I'm meteorologist Jeff Orgeron, joined by meteorologist Katie Suniga. Hey, Katie. Good morning, everybody. And Chief Meteorologist Mark Nelson. Hey, Mark. Hey, good morning, Jeff. I think this is the first time in a while that we've all recorded from home. Nobody's at the studio right now. <laughs> We're dedicated. <That's> right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Working from these at-home studios here. And um, yeah, I just uh, wrapped up a morning on Good Day Oregon. And uh, it was, you know what? Uh, the weather was pretty showery to start the day. We've had a wet week. We're going to kind of talk about the numbers, how much rainfall we've picked up. Mark's pulling up the rundown today for our podcast here. We'll kind of give it a second. If you're joining us on the video version of the podcast, you're going to see some graphics kind of describing what we're going to be going over today. And then uh, if you listen from home or maybe from the car, we'll do our best to kind of describe what we're talking about um, through these graphics and whatnot. So uh, let's see. Mark, you having some trouble here? Some technical difficulties? I am not seeing the graphic. Oh, I am. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah, perfect. I can we'll see then, it. We'll assume that everybody else is seeing it as well. Uh, the plan today is we're going to be going over the forecast. Obviously, we're coming off of what has been a wet week. But things are going to be trending drier heading into the weekend and next week. Um, we're also going to go over September numbers, uh, how things have fared temperature-wise. Uh, we'll take a look at the calendar view and also um, how we've fared so far at PDX uh, in terms of rainfall for the month of September. A uh, few other things that we're going to be going over. Uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, well, we had a couple of impressive uh, low-pressure systems that developed in the Pacific that brought, well, the second one brought some pretty impressive wind to the coast uh, Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. So Mark is going to do a deep dive supported by mm-hmm. Katie and I on That's right. how, we, how these windstorms form in the Pacific and how they can impact the Pacific Northwest during the fall and the winter. Um, we're also going to go over some of our fire season numbers. Um, it's been, well, it hasn't been super active. So that's been some good news. And hopefully most of the fires are done for the year. And then we're going to be talking about this upcoming eclipse, which is about two weeks away. Uh, so that's all in the rundown for today. Uh, we were hoping to maybe sneak in a uh, weather term of the week. We'll see if we have time. But uh, let's talk about the forecast, guys. Um, mm. This morning, as I just mentioned, uh, I got into work. We had a nice cluster of showers move through. It's been a wet week. And um, we'll probably end up seeing another round of showers later on today. Um, that'll kind of linger into the overnight and we'll have some showers tomorrow morning. But aside from that, I think things are going to be trending drier heading into the weekend. Yeah. Did you, what about tomorrow, Jeff? I didn't look at the latest uh, morning graph model run. Uh, That rain, is it staying to our South or not? There's been some discussion on Friday morning. Is it wet over Portland or not? It, it doesn't look too wet over Portland. Well, you know, there are some models that are at odds. Um, Mm -hmm. the Nam nest, uh, which is a high resolution model brings some pretty decent showers in during the morning. But the, the IBM graph model keeps uh, the line generally south of the metro area. And I had somebody reach out, Mark, asking or actually saying, oh, I can't wait to go fishing Friday afternoon. I was like, ooh, where are you going to be fishing? And they yeah. said, up the, up the Clackamas, up into the Cascades. And, you know, that's going to be kind of the dividing line there. Um, this right. weather system is going to be kind of rotating through. And some areas are going to have a really wet Friday, but other areas to the north and west are going to have a really pretty dry Friday. Yeah, that's right. It looks like if you're in, well, for sure, if you're in Eugene, it's going to be wet. We can say that tomorrow. But if you're in Astoria or Seattle, looks great. So I hate it when we're right on the dividing line forecast wise, that can be real pain. 
Hey Jeff, can you see the uh, rain totals there over an inch here in Portland? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They just they just popped up there. Um, Katie, you want to go over some of these rain totals? By the way, these yeah. are from eight a.m. Saturday, or no, 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 excuse me, from Saturday. It kind of came in at different times. So between Saturday and eight a.m. this morning, these are the rainfall totals that we updated uh, across the region. Yeah. So the one to me that just sticks out the most really is actually Portland that we got, you know, nearly an inch and a quarter when, you know, leading up to this, we only had that three hundredths of an inch. So we almost, we've almost got our entire month's worth of rain in this last week with what we have coming today. It's yeah, what we see Salem two inches. Yeah. Yeah, Astoria a little more than two and three quarters. It's just, you know, the smallest amount there obviously is here in Portland. And even that to me is, is pretty good. But Mark and I, you and I were talking, Oh, was it a week ago about you? uh, You were asking me to guess Remember, do you remember that and what, how much rain fell in like September? Like what our wettest ones were? Right. Do you remember right. that conversation? So we're not even anywhere near that, right? With something yeah, like Yeah, no, wettest inches. is like five inches. I mean, at best yeah. we're going to come up to normal, I think, for the month of September. Yeah. And it was also noticeable how this doesn't show up so much here, but it was south and west metro were significantly wetter mm-hmm. than east metro. And then there was um, one day when inches. everybody had, when, when we left, everybody had like around you know, a 10th, maybe up to two tenths. And then Salem, just Salem had more than six tenths of an inch. It was like everything fell in Salem that day. And then obviously you can see here, Vancouver, you know, a little more than an inch and a quarter. Everybody here, like the most, there we go, Long Beach. They're a little more than two and a half inches, Battleground, almost two, Richfield, almost two. That's just, and that's so Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. That's not quite a week, but that's, you know, a good. Oh, nice soaking. Yeah. Yeah which was, was much needed. And then did you have the, um, were we going to look at the calendar view as well? Yeah, I have it here coming up. Temperatures are getting there. There we go. Mark's running the graphics here, folks. Sometimes I'm a little behind. Actually, I'm so old. I can barely see the little icons. Yeah. So this doesn't probably make it a little bit bigger. Maybe, uh, expand it a little bit or something. There we go. There we go. Now we can all see it. There we go. So this obviously doesn't include anything that we've had this morning. Right. Right. Look at that. I mean, that's just, and I, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy about this. I was ready for it's, this. It's a nice gentle rain. I said that I remember mm-hmm. on Saturday, I said, Hey, we're not going to have flooding rains, nothing like mm-hmm. that, but just kind of a solid, a little bit each day. And it slowly adds up over time, over an inch here in Portland and now uh, yeah. some spots over two inches. So I mean, that's mm-hmm. the way we want to get rain. I think. Yes. Just a little at a time. Nice soaks in gives us, you know, and for me, it's been quite nice to off and on again. I know some people were talking about it yesterday at the station about how one minute sunny, the next minute it's raining, but it's been nice, you know, cause you have those moments where you can right. get out and do something. Or I was up at Multnomah Falls yesterday and it cleared up on our way up and it started raining as we were leaving for my story. So it was like, we got that dry streak right when we needed it. And then the rain kicked back in. So that was really yeah. nice. Good stuff. Look at the month above. We're running what about average, slightly above average. Yeah, slightly. We've been s- slowly dropping because we were yeah, what were right. we more than three degrees above average before? Yeah, we started that cooling trend right there where you're at on this mm-hmm. the 16th. I see a lot of blue, and I guess that's going to continue because we have cool nights coming up Friday and Saturday. So actually, these next three days will all be blue as well, below normal. So I bet we're going to end up. We're going to look back and say well, that was a pretty average September. We agree. <laughs> right? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's I'm trying to think. I don't have any other any other September graphics. Um, Jeff, you mentioned, you know, the change coming up here. Let's see. I'm going to try to um, – well, you talk about – we got this change, we think, for next week, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll pull up the, uh, the euro. Can't go wrong with that. 
Yeah, so uh, we kind of mentioned what's going to happen on uh, Friday. We're going to have this kind of this upper level uh, weather system, upper level trough swinging through. It's going to move generally over southwest Oregon and northern California, and then it's going to kind of drift off to the east. So it's really going to favor rainfall on Friday south of the metro area. So I think if you live in extreme northwest Oregon and southwest Washington, you're not going to have much rain on Friday. Maybe a few showers to start the day, but most of the showers will focus in central southern Oregon and off into uh, eastern Oregon eventually. Um, so that'll be Friday into Saturday. So gradually things are going to dry out during the day on Friday. Uh, Mark's kind of bringing up this upper level weather chart here. You can see that. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Uh, the yeah. upper level. Mark, so this just shows, here? yeah, this is a 500 millibar height anomaly. What you're seeing, if, you, if you're only listening to us, like I just listen to the podcast typically, um, you're seeing the upper level heights around 18,000 feet, 500 millibar heights. And wherever you see the blue, it's lower than normal heights. Wherever you see the, the red, it's higher than normal heights. In general, it's cooler and warmer than normal, not always. But you see how we have troughing over us and we get troughing. We get lots of lifting in the atmosphere in the shower. So that's now. But then let's go forward. This is the ensemble average of 51 different members from last night's run, by the way. And you get to Saturday yep. and Sunday and see how the low just kind of fades away and moves to the east. This is mm -hmm. Sunday night. Yep. Okay. So we're still all together here. Monday. Oh, a little more warm colors. So this is about Tuesday. And notice there's there's a pretty strong ridge offshore, but it's it's a flat ridge. And when that happens, we do tend to get moisture that comes in from the west. We can get cloud cover or even light showers that are kind of just squeaking by the top of that ridge. It's not like a full latitude ridge where it shuts off the faucet totally. So, Jeff, do you still have a chance for showers somewhere in there Monday or Tuesday? Yeah, I left it in Tuesday. Um, there, There's clearly some disagreement between models. But, sure. I, I mean, ensemble, most ensemble members have some light showers coming through, kind of a drippy, drizzly day cloudy day on Tuesday. So, um, and you but, know why it's that upper level trough to the North over Alberta. Some models have it a little closer to us, which would bring in moisture from the Northwest. Others say, no, it's a little farther away and it does not uh, bring in moisture. I think that's why there's the, the difference in the models. They all have the same general idea though, a ridge just offshore. Yeah. Maybe dragging like a, like a week, like the, you know, the bottom edge of a cold front through or something like that. Yeah. Right. Um, but there's pretty strong agreement, Mark, that we're going to have, uh, pretty impressive upper level ridge building mm -hmm. over the Pacific yeah, look Northwest. Here. Look at into that. That's next mid to late week. Yeah, maybe late next week into now we're getting way out there, but we're talking eight days out, eight, nine days out. There's pretty good agreement. This is the ensemble average of last night's run. And you can see strong ridging right along the West Coast. And it seems to want to, what I noticed, I was looking at the 46 day Euro run yesterday, actually for two days. And it has this pattern. If you, we just go quickly through like ridge offshore next week, look how the ridge just kind of moves off to the east. And we get into a pattern where it's stormy in the Pacific and we're, we've got southwesterly flow, but this is two weeks out. So we're kind of going from a ridging just offshore to probably ridging over the interior uh, head farther out. So this would be a relatively dry pattern for us. This would be warmer and drier than average after about next Monday, Tuesday. So the likelihood of starting October off warm is there has gone up it has gone up and then we talk about how in october usually our first big soaking rains come later so we could have a repeat october september where we start off warm and end off cool and wet right maybe right. yeah yeah um and I've got mark if it's if it's possible can you try to bring up a mediogram like maybe an ensemble mediogram versus one of the um operational runs i just want to point out that there is really good agreement that 
at least a string of 70 plus degree days are coming mm-hmm. late next week. Um, and, and I mean, I mean that when I look at the ensemble numbers, um, they tend to kind of underplay the heat uh, when we're approaching some kind of heat ridge that's building or an upper, upper level ridge. We got to remember that we're heading into October. We have a lower sun angle. It's harder to hit 80 plus degrees during the month of October. That being said, Mark, Katie, I did notice some pretty good agreement between uh, the overnight American GFS run and uh, the Euro run. The operationals are bringing in a string of 80s late next week. Um, so uh, it's like, it's it's hard to like jump onto that train just yet mm-hmm. because we're in fall and it's, you know, anything seven plus days out, well, take go. with a grain of salt and lean. We tend to lean on the ensembles this time of year. Um, so Mark's bringing up some of those, those numbers. Um, I'll let Mark go ahead and kind of take it away here. Yeah, it's just pre- pretty straightforward. We don't have to spend much time on this, but you can just see the general warm up later next week under that raging. After Tuesday, which so. is when we were talking about that potential. Right. It just kind of reinforces that. Yeah. So something warm is coming. I would at least expect a handful of days in the 70s late next week. Um, drier, drier weather. And I think we deserve a little bit of a dry time considering how wet it's been uh, this <laughs> week. So... Um, all right. So now that we've kind of covered what is ahead, let's talk about, uh, let's quickly review. We had a couple of impressive weather systems that developed over the Pacific this mm-hmm. week. Um, earlier this week, that was kind of driving that atmospheric river in, uh, the rain that we saw initially earlier in the week. And then, um, man, that jet stream that helped to, uh, ramp up, a, an area low pressure that, uh, rapidly strengthened between Tuesday and, uh, Wednesday morning. And that brought some wind to the coast. So I think this is a good segue into, Mark, it's that time of year. We can get some pretty impressive windstorms under the right circumstances. And you have some cool graphics to kind of support that. I do. That said, I'm having a minor issue here. Okay. (laughs) Technical issue. I can't seem to find the graphics and share them correctly. Okay. just keep talking. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so... We've, we've obviously, we know that this can be a windy time of year along the coast. Um, so the peak wind gusts that we had Tuesday night to Wednesday morning were out near, kind of near the mouth of the Columbia. We had three weather stations that picked up right. 68 mile per hour gusts. That was right around um, the start of Good Day, Oregon, between about 4 to 6 a.m. Uh, that was, Clats of Spit had a 68, 68 mile per hour gust. We had one at uh, the Astoria Megler Bridge and then Cape Disappointment. Those tend to be really windy areas this time of year uh, when we do have a strong low pressure system offshore. So looks like the graphics are working, Mark. Yep. I'll let you go ahead and dive there we in go. here. And I will describe what we are seeing here. So uh, this is the, the beginning of what we would consider the stormy season. I mean, really, it's more like late October through maybe March. But uh, this is how we get our big windstorms here west of the Cascades. And they're always from the south or southwest, sometimes from the west. But the reason is we get these deep areas of surface low pressure. They, they move up the coastline. Um, they deepen rapidly. That means the low pressure is getting stronger. And if low pressure is stronger or deeper, that means the pressure has gone down. And that means air wants to rush in and replace uh, that uh, hole in the atmosphere. Sounds a little dramatic, but um, they want to they wanna fill that in. And as these storms move from south to north, there's a rush of southerly wind that follows, which also happens to line up with the coastline, which is north and south. And this whole, all the um, Puget Willamette lowlands from really from Vancouver, BC, all the way to Eugene, it's north-south oriented. Willamette Valley is north and south, right? So if you get a wind to line up with that, then you get a strong windstorm. 
so the most damaging storms, the biggies, uh, they have very deep low pressure. That's what we're always watching for on the weather maps. They're very close to the coastline. The co- closer they are, the better chance for strong wind. And this is another one that's kind of overlooked sometimes, not by meteorologists, but maybe just kind of amateur weather watchers. It needs to move quickly. You can have a huge deep storm that just sits there, but it doesn't produce anything too dramatic wind-wise. So those those are the basics on how we get the wind storms. Any, any questions so far? Anything to add? Katie is deep into thought right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this, as I go through this, you know, I've, I've learned all of this stuff, you know, in my schooling and my time, but this is my first fall forecasting right. on this side. So as I'm looking at this stuff, I'm taking mental notes because I know how the windstorms happen in central Oregon. I know how all that stuff. And so learning, you know, the easterly wind through the gorge was my big learning moment as we, right. went, you know, I got here and now this is, I'm just thinking and cataloging and taking notes. <laughs> and now you're thinking of Tom Cruise, aren't you? The highway into the danger zone. No, didn't even cross my mind. <laughs> no, well, we no. call it. I ca- I call it the danger zone, but uh, this is a well-known thing here west of the Cascades. When we, we, if a low pressure, especially if it's a strong one, gets within 130 degree west or closer, so you see it on the graphic there, about 250 miles from the beaches. That's where it's like, okay, then then we're really paying close attention. Um, and this was really the case when we didn't have many models in the past. It was even more so the case when you didn't have mo- we didn't have modeling showing um, winds or wind gusts. I mean, we didn't see that on maps, so we just had to kind of assume, okay, the lowest, however many millibars, 978, how much wind is this going to produce? Anyway, so that's kind of the danger zone. So an example of the the extremes, this is a, a graphic I just made last night. Here are the three big storms we've had. And one can argue, yes, there are other wind storms. For Puget Sound, I think one of these, oh, there was one called the Inauguration Day storm in 1993 that was stronger than uh, maybe two of these. But these are the storms that have covered the whole, all of Western Oregon and Western Washington, just widespread damaging wind storms. And the, the one I think we're all familiar with, the one all storms are compared against, it's the Columbus Day storm. You can see how close it was to the coast. Um, and then what was it? 19 years later, we had the Friday the 13th storm. That was the one in green. That one was not as close to the coast. I mean, it was still in the danger zone there, but it was slightly deeper, 956 millibars. And then 1995, December 12th, that's the one people around here might remember. Um, you know, it's been a long time. What is that? 20, 28 years. Is that right? It's been 28 years. Is that right? Yeah, about right. Um, in that one, that was the in the kind of in the modern TV age where uh, kids got out of school at noon because we knew it was coming in the afternoon. The schools let kids out early. And I remember I was on the air over at Coin and the lights flashed, flickered right at the end of the noon show. I'm like, oh, it's happening. And uh, that was quite a storm. I think we had 300 something thousand PGE outages with that. Uh, that wow. storm. But see how the paths. Wow. I mean, does anything stick out there really? Like, is it pretty straightforward? Pretty straightforward. Um, I, I did know that these all come like after like the first week of October. So it gives the trees a right. little bit of time to lose some leaves. I imagine like if we had one of these come through in September, it'd be a whole mess considering how many, how much, you know, more weight there is on those branches and things. Right. And that, that October 12th, the Columbus Day storm did cause extra damage because of that, other than the winds were extremely strong. I mean, there were gusts over a hundred in the Valley, which we haven't seen since that time, but there was one, this is one of the earliest recorded storms. And let me tell you, Wolf Reed, now he's Dr. Wolf Reed. He is the king of windstorms. You can go to his website. Uh, I think it's called Storm King. I have a link on my own page, marknelsonweather.com. 
and he had, uh, has done studies on dozens of windstorms since the 1930s. So this is an example. This is one of the earliest uh, strong windstorms we've ever seen. In fact, I think it is October 2nd. So that's Monday's date, 1967. Mm. And a 977 millibar low came up to just, I think, south of Astoria. Yeah, south of Astoria, because notice, it's I know it's hard to see. Let me zoom in. Astoria had a gust of 45, but it gusted to 115 at Newport, which tells oh you the goodness. low was between uh, Astoria and, in this case, around Tillamook. And Portland Airport gusted to 78, 77 at Corvallis. I mean, it, uh, you know, on Monday's date when all the leaves were on the trees. So this was just five years after the Columbus wow. Day storm. So people were like, what is going on? Yeah, so that's about the earliest you're ever going to get. In fact, something he says here is funny. He says, we, we seem to have a lot of those storms in the 60s. He said, like the pop artists of the day, cyclones during the 1960s didn't seem interested in being typical. They went for the outrageous. <laughs> um, and then there was one. Yeah, actually, there was one six months after the Columbus Day storm in March of 1963. That was very late in the season. So in five years, it must have seen, seemed like the weather had gone kind of crazy with a lot of windstorms. So for whatever reason, there were quite a few of those during that time, quite a few storms. So those are kind of the extremes. All right. When you see the gust, the 70 plus in the valley, I mean, we haven't really seen that widespread since 1995. I'd be curious. Um, you know, we talked about last week, Mark, that in many El Nino years, we tend to get more action first half of the season of the wet season and things kind of get a little bit more boring back right. half of the season. So I do wonder um, how many more of these windstorms occurred during El Nino years, um, considering maybe the jet uh, tends to focus up in the Northwest more, you know, that's a good September, question. October, November. I, I think I could be wrong, but I think there's no good correlation uh, with, you know, El Nino doesn't necessarily mean we have bigger windstorms or not. Or just maybe more of a window is what I was considering, but it, oh, it's something I see. that we earlier, you know, yeah, maybe, right. You know, um, I mentioned that danger zone. Let me pull that up again. Uh, I'm probably, I'm probably killing this, uh, this podcast by killing my computer here. I got to find the right graphic. Oh yeah. The, um, the danger zone graphic. Where is it? I'm singing that song. Here we go. Um, two years ago in late October, was it third or fourth week of October? We had some two different 948, 945 millibar lows come right up to that 130 degree West sign. Remember the bomb cyclones? I just ran into that graphic mm -hmm. again yesterday. That was amazing. We'd never seen such deep lows so close to us. Yet they were around 130 west, so we didn't get big damaging wind here. But if anything like that were to move, happen again and move within that range, I think we'd have a major windstorm here. Just to have such a deep blow so close, that was highly unusual. Yeah, um, it's always a possibility. And, and sometimes they can come up really without a lot of warning. I mean, just and this was not a super strong low pressure system that we saw Tuesday night into Wednesday morning, but... That took all of about 18 hours to form. And, right. deepen, and we really didn't have model consensus as to where exactly the center of circulation right. was going to go. So um, that's why I think it's really important, especially if you live along the coast or west of the Cascades, to keep a really close eye on the forecast because things things can change quickly out here during the fall and the winter. Right. And we did have a South Valley surprise and you can find that on Wolf Reed's page. That was the last time we had a big surprising windstorm in, uh, I think it was February of 2002. A and a low spun up, went right across about Albany. And there were gusts over 70, the strongest gust at Eugene since the Columbus Day storm, yet it was calm here in Portland and Salem because the low went into our South. But that was a total surprise. That's mm -hmm. the last time we've seen a surprise. So whew, 
21 years. Yeah. Well, I appreciate all the, uh, the explanation, Mark. I'm sure a lot of our viewers do too. Of course. Um, and all right. So with the rain that we got this, this week and, you know, considering that we're going to be drying out over the next few days, I know a lot of people are wondering, is fire season over? Could it maybe come back? What What's the deal? Well, we're going to go over some of the numbers, but I do want to get both of your takes on that. Um, what are your thoughts? Like, uh, Mark, you live in the Cascade foothills. I'm sure it's been super wet up there and now oh, yeah. we're kind of entering inversion season and whatnot. So uh, what are your thoughts? Like if we were to dry out for another couple of weeks and see a string of you know warm days, 70s, maybe a few 80s, what are your thoughts? Uh, it doesn't matter once the forest floor is soaked. I mean, the days are so short in October and the sun angle is so low that those big fuels that are now moistening up, they're only going to try to start drying again. Basically, I've noticed once it gets wet in October, it stays moist. Even with the dry east wind, yes, the fine fuels will dry again. But um, once we've had the rain, I mean, it's pretty much over two or three inches of rain in the Cascades. Um, yeah, we could still get a small fire and some slash that's left out, but um yeah, we just don't, the season is too late, basically. The only reason we had those fires in October last year was because we never had a soaking rain in September or early October. I mean, the dry spell just continued. Remember those fires, the, the Nakia Creek fire in the South Washington Cascades? I think that was around the 15th yep. of October. That's not mm -hmm. going to happen again. So because we just it's just too late nice in the season to dry. Yeah. yeah. It's just too late in the season to dry everything out again. And, totally and dry. We haven't had a ton of rain this week east of the Cascades, but we will get some good wraparound moisture coming from this weather system Friday into Saturday. So that'll really oh, yeah. dampen things up and right. um, before things dry out. Let's go over some of these uh, fire season numbers. So um, in, 2000, in 2023, we've seen about 298,000 acres burn. Um, a typical year, do you have the average mark on what I've the... Well, I guess it'd be four times that. So it must, I think it's around 1.1 to 1.2 million acres typically burn in all of Oregon and Washington each summer. That's a 10-year average. And of course, each year, as you see below, up and down, you know. So, I mean, we've we've seen a below average year, which I don't think anybody is upset about. Uh, compared to last year, um, we've seen about half the acreage burned in, in Oregon and in Washington. Right. So. Um, and if you're not seeing the graphic, we'll list some of the numbers from previous years. So 298,000 acres burned this year, last year, 632,000 acres burned 2021, 1.5 million acres burned. That was a, that was a pretty bad year. 2020 was a horrendous year, mm -hmm. nearly 2 million acres burned. We all know with the firestorms that came raging through the cascades, um, it was just, an, I, it was an awful end of the year. I think almost a million of that was during that one week with those firestorms, the West Slopes of the Cascades. It was almost a million acres in one week. I will never forget that. That was just unbelievable. Um, nope. 2019, 249,000 acres. So that was actually less active than this year has been. Uh, 2018, one about 1 1.3 million acres burned. I can't see 2017 on the graphic here. Mark, Mark can you see that one? 1.1 million. So that was about average that there year. We go. So we've had a lot of bad fire years, but uh, this year kind of pales in comparison to some of the previous years. So I'm curious, 2019 and this year are so much lower than some of those ones that were showing there. And I'm trying to think back of to the rain graphics that we've shown, like of each year 
and how that may correlate with how that helps, you know, because I wasn't 2018 a really wet year. If I or remember 2019. Well, I thought it was leading into 2019. Like I trying to remember there was one year when we I've been showing that graphic where like last year it showed, you know, only three tenths of an inch this year and it shows up to like 2016. And there was one in there that had like I, I don't want to misspeak. It was like the bar was all the way up to the top. And I thought it was the rain. It was either 2018 or 2019. September rain, right? September. Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. I don't, I'm not sure how that played out. I mean, in some years, in some years by mid September, most of the acreage is already burned. I, I think most years, most of this has already happened by mid September. So I'm not well, I'm sure late September rain to, you know, if we were yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think what's most important is what occurs during the season in July and August. Yeah. For example, this year, and also firefighters, hello. I mean, firefighters, they're getting better at it. They're getting better at detection. I mean, look how quickly they're on these fires now. Um, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just to say, because you mentioned that. So my story yesterday, um, I was out with Corbett Fire and we were they're training with a drone and they were telling me that they haven't used it yet for any major rescues, but they did use it this year during fire season. And there's infrared on it where they go out and the firefighters oh. have an app on their phone that they watch what the drone is seeing and they it pinpoints where they are and where a hot spot is, maybe after like a fireworks show or something. And they can walk real time to that hot spot from the drone and take care of it at that moment so that they don't have time to flare up. And this is the first year they've been able to do that. That's pretty neat. Mm -hmm. I was thinking that Mm -hmm. the the biggie, and and I'll just do a quick preaching moment here every spring. And I know the media loves a story, right? They want to, they want a big story. It's when uh, spring like this, where it got hot in May and then very dry and usually dry. And they say, Oh my gosh, it could be really bad. Fire season can be really bad, but it all depends on what happens during the fire season. If we get those, we had those just, you know, perfectly bad setup of those lightning strikes in late August. But then, as I recall, we had some coolish, cloudyish. We even had some showers following that. That just kind of damps things down and gets, get, gives firefighters a chance to get to things. So if we would have had the those lightning storms in late August followed by a dry east wind event, I bet things would have really blown up and it would have been much worse. It's all about what happens during fire season, not just mm-hmm. the setup. The setup kind of primes the pump, but you can have a warm, dry spring and things are okay at the end in the summertime. So never panic at the beginning of the season. They also told me that since we had the big fires in the gorge, um, people had been much better about not setting off fireworks out there after you think that That they, they said that's been a big help is that people kind of realized it wasn't smart. So their human factor has been changed since those fires too. One would think someone would have thought of that first, but hmm. yeah, okay. Well, well and, and just a couple of final notes here. We didn't have a lot of thunderstorm activity this year. So that's one, um, probably one big reason why we didn't have huge fire numbers, fire, you know, right. acres burned and whatnot. And then secondly, I think at one stage in fire season, toward the end of fire season, um, the number was like, it's, it was like three quarters of the fires or, you know, the fires that sparked up this year were human caused fires. Um right. So I think, you know, if we're all kind of being extra careful on what we're doing when we're camping and things like that, it can certainly reduce the amount of acreage that's burned and certainly the smoky days that we see. But um, Mother Nature plays a role. And luckily, she didn't, you know, play a huge role this year. So, um, all right, we're a couple of weeks away from this eclipse that everybody's talking about, especially you two. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And we got some cool graphics here to talk about where could be the best place to go. Weather, of course, will play a factor in that. Um, and what it'll look like in the metro area. So, uh, guys, why don't you take that away? Yeah, uh, we've got the total eclipse. Uh, uh, total, I'm sorry, total annular eclipse. I'm sorry, it is not a total eclipse. It's an annular eclipse, but not quite total. Mm-hmm. But a partial would be slightly different. Either way, in a total eclipse, which we had 2017, 100% eclipsed. If you if you were down in the path across central Oregon, it gets dark. The sun is totally covered. For some reason, I don't have the graphic that shows annularity, but that's fine. So um, in an annular eclipse, in this case, about 90% covered in, in, in kind of a strip of, in Oregon. Here you go, across southwest Oregon. Four and a half minutes where the sun will be about 90% covered. In the Portland area, it'll be 86% covered. So what's the difference with the annular? The moon is a little bit farther away from us, so it can't quite cover the sun from our perspective. So there's going to be a ring or an, an annulus of, you know, sun. 10% of the sun is pretty bright, though. I mean, a lot occurs in that last 10% of sun. Here's an example. Um, this is what you will not see, even if you're under that line in October, you will not see the shadow bands. Um, that was something we saw during the total eclipse. That's Is that where we had the little um, the lines moving across the ground? Remember that? Mm-hmm. Mm. Some people saw that. I saw it briefly. Mm-hmm. Diamond ring effect where the, as the moon covers the uh, sun and then comes out of it, you see like the big like flash. You won't, <laughs> yep. You won't see that. Bailey's beads, which were lights all around the edges. You won't see that. Uh, you will not have darkness moving overhead. It will not get dark. Mm-hmm. Okay. It'll get slightly dim. Like if it's cloudy, which is a decent chance on October 14th, it'll be go from cloudy to like a little darker cloudy, but it will be barely noticeable. Um, oh, during that eclipse. Drops. Yeah, remember the temperature yeah. drop? Remember the um, remember the 360 degree view? You could look around. I remember looking towards Mount Hood from Madras, and you could see there was sun on Mount Hood. So it's kind of like you're you're in a sunset, but around you is yeah. not. And the planets and the stars appear. None of that, folks, is going to happen with this eclipse. Maybe another way to describe it: the actual eclipse chasers. You know, people, the nerds that chase these uh, mm-hmm. eclipses. You know, year after year. Uh, total eclipse, unforgettable experience of a lifetime. I agree. That's what Thank I you. saw. Mm-hmm. Partial eclipse, yeah, it's interesting, kind of cool, but forgettable. There you go. Kind of like a kind of like a weak atmospheric river. <laughs> forgettable. Or yeah, or or a bomb cyclone that develops offshore that doesn't impact. <laughs> us. Yeah, you're right. Interesting, like yeah, it's interesting, but it's forgettable. I think yeah. I think after this, we'll be like, oh, that was kind of neat, assuming we can see it. But of course, you know, that's a big question, right? That path. Uh, it could be if we have a weather system over us, it's possible nobody sees it except maybe a few spots in central Oregon. So it all depends on the weather or maybe we'll have a big ridge and we'll have sunshine for all. That would be neat. It's possible. Or we might be at the end of that ridge and moving east <laughs> and then all of a sudden it gets cloudy again. Let's hope for the yeah. uh, the former, not the latter. Uh, one other thing to keep in mind, it's at 9 a.m., what, 9.15. So the sun's pretty low in the eastern sky. So you don't want to be in a place where you can't see to the east, like mm. either trees or a mountain. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, by the way, the full harvest moon is tonight, heading into tomorrow morning. Ooh. And I've had a lot of people asking, like, where where can we see it? Are we going to be able to see it? Uh, I wouldn't plan on seeing it, guys. Yeah. It's going to be pretty cloudy out there. I mean, maybe briefly in parts of central and eastern Oregon, but uh, that's about it. Uh, so let's see. So did you guys have any more thoughts regarding the eclipse? I mean, Mark, are no. you going to be going anywhere special for it? No. The last one, I just don't remember hearing much about. It. I, for one, I work that afternoon, so I'm not going to go far anyway. But no, I don't think so. Send me a picture. 
Yeah. <laughs> I've got plans. Right. I'm going to Dallas in early April. So that'll be the real thing. Yeah. Katie? I'll be at the you? station. I'm doing Saturday Good Day Oregon. So I'll, okay. I'll be Oh, that's there. right. Yeah. Oh, you'll well, have it live. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Well, so the morning GDO obviously is done at nine. I stay for outdoor GPS. So when the official eclipse happens, I'll be doing GPS. So I know we have one photographer. I think uh, uh, Rico Heinrich. from the Mike Heinrich, Rico from the morning show. He I, he's planning to hopefully be live down there somewhere, maybe South Central Oregon. So maybe he might feed you folks back a live yeah. shot if that's the I case would, I would during. Because so. uh, yeah, I'm sure Owen would like to see that. Yeah. By the way. If anybody is planning to go shoot the eclipse somewhere and you want to submit a photo, best way to do that and to be, be featured is to go to kptv.com slash weather. And there's a tab that says submit photos. Mm-hmm. As soon as you submit a photo, we all, we all can see those from the weather center and we can you know show those on TV or social media. And um, so we would love to see anything that you do capture. Videos um, too. Hopefully videos, anything. Yeah. We would, we would love to see that. Um, and Mark, go ahead. Basically. <laughs> Basically, the lawyers won't let us use a video or photo unless you submit it through there. So, or we get your explicit permission with this long form. So please, if you just send them there, you know, we don't want the lawyers after us. Please don't sue us. You know, all that. (laughs) Just being honest. (laughs) Guys, uh, we have a dry weekend ahead. Any any plans for the weekend? What, What do you guys got going on? I have family coming into town and they were all ready and bringing their rain jackets and stuff. And I was like, yeah, you might need to leave that in the car. So we have football games and fall festivities planned. Well, we have the big AMS. We don't have an AMS winter weather meeting, but the Oregon AMS, we have the snowstorm wrap up meeting at OMSI 10 a.m. to noon on Saturday. Professor Cliff Mass is coming down from UW. He's going to speak about that storm. Weather service is going to have all the numbers and whatnot from that storm. Seems kind of out of season, but they needed time to get it together. And Cliff is going to talk about the Maui wildfires, how climate change did or didn't affect it much. And I think Cliff is also going to be giving us an update on his uh, regional modeling system, the UW uh, Wharf GFS. So that should be a good meeting. The public is welcome. It's free except for parking. You got to pay for parking. 10 a.m. OMSI Auditorium. That's my uh, push for that. There are going to be a lot of weather nerds in the building. Um, That's right. Including two of us, Katie. I don't know if she's going to be there. No, oh, actually, Katie's going to be working. Game. Oh, she's got well, football games, oh, you're and she's working. Well, no, my, my Katie won't be there. <laughs> yeah, don't she's subject not her quite to that. that weather nerd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah. Another, you know, we have another twenty-four hours or so with showers around, and then things are going to be trending drier Friday into Saturday. So, uh, hope you enjoy your weekend and this pleasant weather coming our way with highs in the upper sixties and low seventies in our Western Valley. So it's going to be a great weekend. And um, yeah, Mark, I'll be seeing you on Saturday. Katie, hope you have a good rest of your week. I know you're off right now uh, on your, you're technically on your weekend. My so Saturday today. Yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, we'll be back next week. We'll probably be covering drier weather heading into October. Um, we'll see. Any last thoughts? I, nope, yeah, that's we'll, it. Let's wrap it yeah, up. You never, yeah, let's wrap it up, guys, and um, I hope you all have a great uh, You're waiting week and, uh, and hesitating and tell us, please tell us about the weather.